This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. That's the competitor that he is, and he told me after. He said, he felt good in Detroit, but again, it, it was just one of those games, in 82 games, that the puck just found its way behind him. It wasn't that he was had a bad night. It was just that somehow, it, they only had like 12 chances, they got six goals, when does that happen? So um, it's just one of those hockey nights that you live with, and you don't let it bother you, and you move on, and that's, well, that's what makes him the great goaltender that he is. Rick Bonus there on his netminder, Connor Hellebuck. 39 saves last night. Uh, sensational. None better than that one, Jim Toth. A buck 45 left to go. Um, said he needs a little bit of luck, but uh, catching the puck, getting it between his legs there, that was pretty impressive. Close the tweezers. I forget what he said, but that's what I kind of thought or Trevor Kidd said on the postgame show there. But, yeah, um, uh, yeah look, it, it, the other great quote from Rick Bonus after last night's win was the fact that we played better Tuesday in Detroit than we did here tonight, so it balances out and we'll take it. Mm-hmm. Um, Connor Hellebuck, for everybody who – well, not everybody, but yeah. there's three or four people that said it's time to trade Hellebuck after Tuesday's <laughs> game. Literally Wednesday we took yeah. texts like that. I, look, it's to the forefront – Connor Hellebuck's going to have bad games. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Yeah. And I think that happened on Tuesday. Every player, no matter how good they are, is going to have a bad game. And uh, the one thing about Connor Hellebuck is um, he'll never – I don't think he thinks he ever plays bad. Like, he's that confident of his game. And, and even last night, he didn't think the team played bad. He's like, everybody had a part in this and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's going to have bad games. But the the thing about Hellebuck is, is whenever he does, has, if he's ever been pulled or been off – he comes back with a vengeance in that very next game, which he did last night. No doubt about it. And uh, coming up here now, I, I, I'm not. We have the coach is not going to speak because because it's a back to back. Rick Bonus is not going to be speaking until three thirty our time, where he's going to talk about this. But the fact that he was on the morning show, he was on the start uh, this morning talking about a about a new book about mental health and stuff like that with uh, Macklin McGarry and McNabb. I don't think Connor Hellebuck does interviews on game days and games that he's going to be playing. So no, I don't he does know. Not. I, do, I don't know this for sure. This hasn't been confirmed, but I'm pretty sure that David Reddick is going to be uh, between the pipes and uh, bringing on to talk about that and the game tonight. We'll bring Josh Getzoff. He is the play-by-play voice for the Pittsburgh Pe- uh, Penguins on the Penguins Radio Network. Josh, how you doing, man? Hey, Cam and Jim, what's going on, guys? Good to talk to you. Yeah, good to have you on, Josh. Thanks for doing this. Love having you you on the program here. Uh, Josh, a little bit of tidbit of information for you. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. I'm sure you are. Um, Since the Jets relocated uh, uh, to Winnipeg from Atlanta, they've only beaten the Penguins five times out of 24 meetings so far. Uh, And they've only beaten the Penguins once at home over this entire stretch, a 4-1 win back on October 8th, 20. Uh, 19, where they ended an 18-game skid uh, in Pittsburgh. For whatever reason, the Winnipeg Jets, they just uh, they can't get their mojo working uh, there in Pennsylvania. It is funny you mention that, guys. And I do remember that game the Jets won because uh, that was actually my birthday. So they ruined my birthday. That <laughs> so it was, uh, it was easy to remember for me on that front. So you um, cursed but, them, and that's why this has been happening. Oh, Exactly. You guys should schedule the October 8th date in uh, Pittsburgh for the Jets more often. Maybe that, that record would be a little different. But uh, I'll be honest, I, that's perplexing to me because and I've said this to anyone I've spoken to here this morning, even when we were in Winnipeg to play the Jets uh, in late November, I love the Jets roster. I love their team. Uh, and I think it, man-to-man, it's, it's a tough matchup on paper, and it's maybe not a favorable matchup on paper for the Penguins. Uh, but for whatever reason, in these head-to-head matchups, and 
That game on November 19th being the latest example there in Winnipeg. Granted, I know it wasn't in Pittsburgh, but uh, the Penguins just seem to have a way with these guys. And I'll be interested to see the type of game they have here tonight. I mean, they, the Penguins have a, a massive game looming tomorrow in Carolina against the Hurricanes. Obviously, the Jets played last night. So uh, it should be an interesting uh, matchup here tonight. But to your point, it has been fairly one-sided. And I can't wrap my head around that one when I look at who the Jets are on a nightly basis. Well, I I appreciate you said that, Josh, because even going back to last year, I think it was 1-1 into the third, and then it was 2-1, and an empty net goal made it 3-1. And for whatever reason, these two teams, and I agree on paper, they match up so well. But when it comes down to it, it just seems like the the veteranness or the savvy of of the the Penguins is just an inch more that gets them that victory, whether it's a close game or not. They're I do always need, good games too. Jim. They're, they really they're great are. games. Yeah, the Jets it, show up for them. They're not like high scoring end to end open mistake games. They're mm-hmm. they're highly competitive through the neutral zone, fight for every inch kind of game. So I I love that when these two teams match up. Although Jets fans probably don't like the results as of late. Uh, Josh got to ask you about Dustin Tarkarski. He's getting his first start as a penguin uh why is this happening tonight in your mind well i think when you look at the last couple of games the penguins have played the losses aside you know you can you can lose a game in this league and still still feel good about your game if there are areas within the game that the team was you know pleased with their certain aspects of their effort and the goaltending has been subpar I, i think that's fair to say i'm not saying anything that's breaking news here to anyone that covers or watches the pittsburgh penguins uh, and I'm not talking about Tristan Jari when I say that. Jari has been unbelievable for the Penguins this year. The problem is, uh, as has been the case in his short NHL career, he's struggled to stay healthy for significant stretches, and he's, of course, out again right now, got hurt in the Winter Classic. So Casey DeSmith, who's been a dependable backup, uh, but not a consistent backup for the Penguins on a nightly basis, and that's kind of come to the forefront here. He was excellent uh, when the Penguins snapped their six-game losing streak in Arizona Sunday night. Uh, probably was the reason they won that game, actually, despite it being a 4-1 score. Uh, and then they come in here on Tuesday night and play Vancouver, a team that you know you guys know, we know, uh, is just completely inconsistent in their uh, yeah. nightly effort. But they jump out to a 3 nothing lead, and that wasn't all you know, as a way of the, the flow of the game was dictating. That was some goals that got past Casey DeSmith that I think he probably won back. And Mike Sullivan, after seven minutes and five seconds of DeSmith in game action, looked down the bench, gave Dustin Tokarski the nod, and uh, Tokarski never looked back. He was excellent uh, against Vancouver um, on Tuesday night, 18 saves on 19 shots. But you guys know this is someone who has been around the block. He's played a lot of games in the American League, but he's also played almost a full season of games in the National League as well. Uh, You know, uh, Tampa Bay, Montreal, Buffalo, Anaheim. He's bounced around, but he's seen this uh, show before, so to speak. Uh, And I thought he looked like a guy that had seen it before when he stepped in on Tuesday night. He was calm. Uh, He's not really like a high-energy, high-octane guy to begin with and talking with him and getting to know him over the last uh, couple of days. And, you know, he was in the Penguins organization a handful of years back as well in Wilkes-Barre. But I think they're confident that for what they need right now, this guy can potentially step in and give them a solid showing. And that's really what they need because it's been inconsistent uh, when Tristan Jari hasn't been between the pipes this year. It's been long. Uh, just to go back to what you said about that the six game skid. It's been long skids or, or long streaks for the for the Pittsburgh Penguins this year, right? Eh? I mean, it's it's kind of been a feast or famine situation. Yeah, we liken it. Uh, Phil Bork and I here in the booth. There's a there's an amusement park in Pittsburgh called Kennywood, and there's a roller coaster there called the Jack Rabbit. It's a wooden <laughs> roller coaster. And we liken this season to the Jackrabbit because you're kind of rattling as you're riding up and down on the uh, the tracks. But you're right. I mean, they had this, the the four zero and one start. 
then a seven-game losing streak, then a seven-game winning streak, then a six-game losing streak, and now they've won two in a row. So it's just been uh, it's been pretty um, you know head scratching as far as the the way the re- the route of the year has gone, especially when you consider uh, the makeup of this team and the veteran uh, faces and uh, bodies that are pretty much heavily you know put apart in this lineup. Uh, to to have such inconsistency in your game has been a bit uh, head scratching, but. You know, this is the unofficial second half of the season starting tonight, game number 41. So uh, it would be curious to see the, the focus of the Penguins, if they can dial it in here, because they're going to need to. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets are uh, as good of a test as they can get at this stage of the year, and uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how they follow up that you know second and third period they had against Vancouver in a, a big win against the Canucks on Tuesday night. Even when the Pens lost six in a row and things like everybody's mm. waiting. It's kind of like the Bruins. They Everybody's waiting for this veteran core to get too old and too slow. And I just, even when they lost those six games in a row, I thought, well, look at who's the core of this team and they're going to pull it back. Um, but that will eventually catch up to the Penguins. Uh, where do you think they sit going into the trade deadline in, in, in uh, early March, Josh, with where they're constructed now and the fact that they have these vets still here and and some of them recently signed, like Latang and, and um, uh, Malkin. Evgeny Malkin. Yeah. Um, where do you sort of see them and what they what could they be doing in a couple of weeks or sooner? Yeah, Latang and Malkin and Jeff Carter, too, signed a two-year extension last right. year. He's 38. Uh, so he's not exactly uh, uh, one of the younger guys in the dressing room. Um, but I, I think, you know, it's it's a fair question, and it's going to be really intriguing to me to watch that over the next couple of weeks because we all know the general manager here before Ron Hextall was Jim Rutherford. And if he felt like there was a trade to be made, he'd be doing it while you and I were talking on the phone right now. Uh, he's not going to wait till March 2nd or late February to make a deal. Uh, Ron Hextall, in his short history as Penguins GM, has proven to be that guy. He's waited until closer to the deadline. It was Jeff Carter a couple years ago. It was Ricard Raquel last year on deadline day uh, when he made that acquisition. So um, based on history with Ron Hextel, I think you're probably waiting to see how things play out over the next few weeks going towards March. Um, but in my opinion, it's, it's a tricky add from the Penguins' perspective because I'm not sure how this type of player fits in the current scheme of the NHL, but they need somebody who has a little bit more brute to their game. They have a lot of speed. They have a lot of skill in their lineup. If they could find a guy who's a mix of those two things and add them to their bottom six or even their back end, uh, that would be an ideal thing. And when I say that, I realize that there are 31 other teams in the NHL that are saying, hey, we'd like a guy like that too. You can never have too many of those guys. But the Penguins don't really have any of those guys. And if the Winnipeg Jets tonight try to become a physical, um, try to bring this into a physical type of game and try to get in front of the Penguins' net and try to eliminate the Penguins from the front of their net, you're going to see the Penguins don't have that pushback. They don't have that layer uh, to combat that. Um, they have guys that like to play like that. Jason Zucker likes to go to the net. Jake Gensel likes to go to the net. Those guys are both under six feet tall. Josh Archibald likes to play like that, but he's not in the lineup. Uh, they don't really have a defenseman who's going to clear the porch, so to speak. Jan Ruda has done that at times, uh, but they don't have anyone that's going to make any of the Jets reluctant to get in front of Dustin Tokarski tonight, like I think they could possibly use if they do want to tr- set themselves up to try to make a deep run. So I think that's something you're looking for. You're looking for size. You're looking for strength. Um, you know, in the bottom six forward role, I, I think of a guy like they just played in Arizona. I'd like to see a guy like Zach Cassian uh, maybe join the Penguins fold. I think he'd be a, a really nice fit for what he did with Connor McDavid in Edmonton to come here to Pittsburgh. 
Um, and, you know, there are other defensemen. We just saw Luke Shen in Vancouver. That's a guy, right-hand shot, that would be a really nice piece on the Penguins' back end and cheaper, too, on that one-year deal. So uh, those are a couple names that are floating around in my head. Um, but I think that's the kind of player they could use right now in their lineup as they gear up for the second half of the season. Last one for you, Josh, and we only have about 30 seconds, but don't want to leave without asking about Chris Letang and how he's doing. Yeah, he's, he's still in Montreal. I will say, guys, I was a part of the group that went up to the funeral. Uh, yeah, I heard Monday. about that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was extremely classy of the Fenway Sports Group to you know foot the bill for that, no questions asked. They took all of us up there right from Arizona. We did a red-eye. Um, and it was, you know, as you would expect, funerals in general are emotional. Um, and it was, I think, a really important moment in this team season, uh, as we mentioned, where they've been a little bit inconsistent to kind of all come together in such a sad time uh, and hopefully rally around that in the uh, days and weeks to come. But you wish your best for Chris Letang, who's had a hell of a stretch here over the last month um, between the stroke and losing his father. And hopefully we see him back in Pittsburgh soon. Pre-game at 4 o'clock, play-by-play at 6 right here on 680 CJOB. Uh, our guest, uh, Josh Getzoff, play-by-play man with the uh, Penguins Radio Network. Josh, really appreciate the time and great stuff. Thank you so much. You got it, guys. Thanks, uh, as always, for the time. Thanks, Josh. Have a great call. Uh, fantastic stuff from him. Let's come back. We're going to talk about the game, our thoughts, your thoughts as well on the Sabres game. And, and, and looking ahead, how many goals have the Penguins defense had so far this season compared to the Winnipeg Jets? Uh, who just topped their mark from last year. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that when we come back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Thanks so much, Sarah. How's it going? How are I'm you? I'm good. Happy Friday to you Hi, both. Sarah. Sarah was <laughs> spitting. To us both. That's yeah, us. both of us. She was spitting science <laughs> in the newsroom. Science. science. Yeah. She taught me science. something about Winnipeg. Yeah. You didn't know this. What's I on? didn't know this. Well, Sarah, why don't you tell the, the fine folks, uh, our, our wonderful I'm listeners sure here. I'm sure people know this. I didn't I'm, know this. I'm shocked. He's but born and raised, sir. He didn't yeah, know. Yeah, I didn't know this. Born and raised. <laughs> I don't know if this is bad, because we're going to hear Texas Show 204 708 yeah, Is this like a, a Shonda that I don't know this? Yeah, I don't remember how it came up, but we were talking about drinks. It's Friday. And I said, did you Well, yeah, <laughs> we got you know? Skylar Peters in the back yeah, and yeah. like talk. I'm not even going to get into it. It's not appropriate to talk about it on the air, but let's just say, and drinks came up. Yes. But a paralyzer was invented in Winnipeg. The paralyzer, the drink of Coke, yes. milk, vodka, and coffee liqueur, as well as some other stuff. That was I invented know. here. Yeah, Winnipeg. It was. Did you know that? I didn't know that, no. I didn't know that. I didn't know it either. Mm-hmm. That was news to Winnipeg me. Winnipeg invented um, a Winni- paralyzer. That was invented here. <laughs> Wow. I knew that the Caesar was invented in Calgary because when I was living there, they told me that every five minutes. <laughs> I didn't know that either, but you got so angry about having to hear about the Caesar every day. It was day constant. Of your life <laughs> every time I was at a, a, a bar or restaurant, did you know the Caesar was invented in Calgary? I said, Yeah, I learned that mm-hmm. the first minute I was here, and I've been hearing about it ever since. Well, mm. Winnipeg needs to own the Paralyzer more. Yeah, we do. We do need to talk about the <laughs> Paralyzer. Yeah, I mean, more. that when we hear that Canada's heart is calling. <laughs> Canada's heart wants to give you a paralyzer. Yeah. Canada's beating heart beats and calls. Canada's beater, beating heart wants to give you some yeah. Kahlua and milk. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Is that what's in it? I don't know. Something like that. I remember Something having like one. That. It was like a delicious milkshake, and then mm-hmm. I was just bloated. I couldn't continue on with my <laughs> I, beverages. I, I've never had a paralyzer, but now I have to try one. You have to. I have to. Paralyzer Fridays at Skadge Pizza. Yeah. 204-780-6868. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah bestowed on me the knowledge that Dryden's only 8,000 people, which I... just derailed me yesterday. You can't run a business, a pizza place in a town of 8,000. You didn't do your research. 
Clearly. It was going to be a wing joint, too. Yeah. Awesome. Grill and um, it's Paralyzer out. Fridays it's at Skadge Pizza. Uh, the pizza place that Sarah, Jim, and I, Skadge Pizza, are going to open it in Dryden, Ontario. It's dead. Well, Fish we just got to rethink it. I don't know if we're not doing okay. it. It's just you got to sell a lot of pies to 8,000 people to make a go, is my point. Warren, Manitoba? Stick to the Paralyzer. Just here. off the perimeter. Well, let's look at Warren now. Okay, let's yeah. take a look at Warren. Uh, thanks a lot, Sarah. Sarah. She'll be back at 1 o'clock. Enjoy your day. For, enjoy, for your, your enjoy your noon Paralyzer that you're going to have. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to really, f- Paralyzer's made here in London. Just that f- news to me. News now to we me. need our texters because, like, we – how do we know – like, even the Caesar in I Calgary, don't. who said this is the very first Caesar, and then it went global. The stuff is always made accidentally. It's like the flaming mo. Yeah. It just kind of came together one night. Yeah. That's all this stuff happens. 204 780 uh, 780-6868. Winnipeg Jets beat the Buffalo Sabres uh, last night, 4-2. to two. Uh, Terry, he texts the show. He was fired up, 204-780-6868. Hi, Cam and Jim. Wow, different team played last night. Yesterday's Jets were the team I learned to respect and love this season. The team that plays on Tuesday were like last year's team that seems to lose consistently to the Wild. Let's hope tonight the same team shows up to play the Penguins as played the Sabres. That one from Terry. Well, Terry, you know, I, I don't mean to disagree with you here, but I actually thought... Um, the Winnipeg Jets were kind of at long stretches of that game against the Sabres. They were kind of getting it taken to them. Um, but I think Connor Hellebuck was the difference last night, making 39 saves. He was spectacular. Uh, the Jets' penalty kill again came up big, killing five uh, uh, power plays from Buffalo. Second best power play in the league, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that that was the big difference. Um, it was the big difference in that game. I, I also thought the Jets took way too many penalties. I thought they took too many penalties, but they were able to kill them off. Um, I, I, it wasn't enough to make this a segment. I didn't like the officiating last night. Yeah. But it was it was uneven both ways. I just yeah. last night's a prime example of we're past the midway point of the season and all of a sudden everything's getting called. Yeah. Where we just what did we complain about in the first half? The inconsistency of it and and penalties not being called. I mean, Adam Lowry's elbow. So now you get a penalty for running into a guy? I don't know, Jim. I, I so you're asking I, me again, to figure out the officiating but in the National Hockey. I don't League. want to complain about it because it was uneven and bizarre for both teams. Yeah. Hey, uh, this one from Ed. He says, "Hi, Jim. Uh, Jets have to stop getting penalties. Also, they don't give the puck, uh, don't give up the puck in their own zone. Also, shoot the puck at the net, not a mile away." That one from Ed. Thanks for the text message, Ed. Yeah, and to your point, Ed, like they are taking the last couple of games. There's at least one to two offensive zone stick infractions. I don't, I don't like those kind of penalties. Mm. Like if Adams is going to be physical and a guy turns back around, they want to call that elbowing. That's fine. If you're battling in front of the net or something, um, Dubois has taken a couple. Offensive zone. I think it was Gustafson in Detroit yeah. that tripped a guy in the offensive zone. That's those are the kind that you really have got to start start narrowing down or stop taking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, you know, what did you think about uh, Dylan Sandberg last night? I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was pretty good. I mean, he gets a goal, but I, I know that sometimes uh, if a, if a player scores, they tend to get a little bit more focus on them, and all of a sudden their game uh, comes into perspective. And and I I didn't want to do that, but I I also know that he scored last night. But I also thought he was he was making a lot of impactful plays. He was especially late in the game. Twenty three block shots. 
for the Winnipeg Jets last night. 19 hits. That was a big difference. Yeah. He, he, he was out there blocking shots. Jets uh, leading shot blocker. I mean, we could dissect it, but I, I just felt they didn't have their A game and um, they yep. still won. Like, I again, going back to the start of this show, I, I really like what Rick Bonus said post game of we played better on Tuesday and lost the game than mm-hmm. we did tonight and we won it. So it all evens out, balances out. Yeah. Uh, Connor Hellebuck came to the forefront. And for all the people texting right now, Yes, I'm. I, I'm not being funny. We literally had three to four people text that it's time to <laughs> yeah. trade Hellebuck. Yeah, and never um, going to win anything with him and stuff. Like and, that. Yeah. and 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 again, like we, it's not like we don't appreciate this stuff, but we are going to have fun with it, and we appreciate all opinions and all are welcome. Um, but I just going back to last year, you do not trade Connor Hellebuck. In fact, of the pending contracts that are coming up between um, Shifley, Dubois, and Hellebuck, I think Hellebuck's the most important. Absolutely, and that's is. not to say that the other two aren't. Like, I mean, all you have to do is look at the score sheet to see how valuable that. And then, and look, there are teams that pray to the heavens for one, two center down the middle, and and a lot of teams have a a center. Not a lot of people have one, two, three like the Jets. So mm-hmm. I get the depth of it and how important Shifley and Dubois are. But I just even down the pipeline, I don't know who's going to be next to step in here and and take over. And I know the prospects and goal for the Jets as well. I just so I, I just anytime the the trade Connor Hellbuck talk comes up, I just they're too rare. The elite quality of play you're getting, it's like the second baseman in baseball offensively yeah. or an offensive catcher. In a league of thirty two teams, there's only six to seven Connor Hellebucks. Yeah, and then the rest are just good goalies that instead of having five to six off nights a year are going to have 12 to 15 off nights a year. And then when they're on, it's just not at the level that Connor Hellebuck is. So mm-hmm. I just don't look at trading a guy like that ever. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm I mean, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir here, Jim. Till. <laughs> so I'm never I, to sum up the game, that. that's what I feel. I just yeah. feel like they didn't play well. They, they took too many penalties. Um, there was a lot of, I thought the third line was the best line last night. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a really good job at both ends of the ice and you hope for a better overall effort here. And and this is part of the process the past couple of games that, mm-hmm. you know, although it's in game 40, they just need to get back to what they found successful. And teams do this. They get success. They work it. They have some injuries. They work their system and get some points. And then everybody comes back and they get a little, here we go. We can score goals. We can do this. They think they're doing certain things and they're not. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, tonight you've got to take away the middle of the ice from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Totally. This is a game where, and I, I like to be positive, Jim. I like to be a, a very positive guy when I look at this at this club and where they are and, what, and where they're headed. Um, I'm a very positive person. I'm, I'm, an opti- I'm a hockey optimist. I'm not optimistic about this game tonight. Because of the situation, and there's a number of factors in this one, I don't know how bad this illness is, but it's been bad enough to keep Stenlin, Barron, and Hainel out of the lineup. Cole Perfetti basically had to be pulled out of the game, missed a huge chunk of it. Uh, late coming back from the second period, is he even going to be okay to go tonight? We're going to have to wait and see. So this illness, you know, how much did that fuel the sort of the lapses in Detroit, in Buffalo? I don't know. If you're on the ice, you got to be 100%. I'm not sure if I if I would even consider that as an excuse, but I think it's a factor in the situation. So one thing is, I don't know how bad this illness is going right now through the Jets, non-COVID. Also, you have Pittsburgh waiting for two days. They played Vancouver on Tuesday, 5-4 five, five, win for them, and you have the Jets coming into there in, in, in a back-to-back situation. This is, a, this is a game where it's set up to be a really, really tough... T- the deck is stacked against the Winnipeg Jets heading into this game. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, and, and this is going to be a real tough one for them to win. I, I, I think 
if if the Pittsburgh Penguins get some brutal brutal goaltending and Dustin Tokarski uh, sinks, uh, which is definitely possible um, coming into this game uh, tonight. Um, it could, it could be something that really helps the Winnipeg Jets. But, but you know, we, we had Rick Bonus talking about razor-thin margins of errors when they were dealing with all those injuries. This game, to me, tonight also has a razor-thin margin of error for the Winnipeg Jets. They can win it, but the deck's stacked against them. Yeah, to me, this is one of those games that, like, I either think they're going to go to overtime or they're going to get pounded 6-1. If they get a point, I'm I'm walking out of this one saying, good job. Yeah, and I just it's because it's Pittsburgh. Like, I think there are teams that they can go back-to-back, play against Buffalo, come back in, and, and have a, a really good team. I mean, we saw yeah. this in Colorado, and they went to Vegas, and then that first period was awful, but then the next two were pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. I do think it's going to be a game of lulls. Uh, you, they have to capitalize early. Like they, with Pittsburgh being off for two days and resting, um, they did unfortunately have to go up to Quebec for for Chris Letang's father's mm-hmm. funeral. Um, that's sort of weighing on them too, the extra travel and everything like that, and really good on the organization to yeah, do that. Top notch, honestly. Um, but I, I think the Jets have to sort of, you know, look at the film they played last night, come out quick, and then kind of it's a feel like a hang on game if they get a lead by the third period because that's when you play back to backs. To me, the most glaring part of back-to-backs is the third period. Like, you might have a tie game or be up by one or down by one going into the third, and then that's just when the team who's been at home and resting, the wheels start going. So, um, But look, the other side of this, to be not a negative Nelly and, mm-hmm. and more positive, is this Jets team could win this game. It, yeah. They they are that good this year that they have this much firepower, and we just heard Josh tell us about the Penguins and how these two teams match up. The Penguins and the Jets play really good against each other, and it's usually one or two things that decide the game overall. So if they can come out, I mean, they're going to need a good performance from David Riddich too. And and his last one against Vancouver, uh, he really shut the door in the third period. And I'm wondering like how his focus will be to you know more of that than less of the other two periods. And they could eke out a win here. They, I do believe they could. Mm-hmm. Is it likely? I think they're in tough just because it's Pittsburgh. They're on home ice, and they've been resting for two days. This one from Allen, 204-780-6868. Good day, gentlemen. I like Rick Bonus's style. I just hope he has the patience to teach several players taking longer to adapt. More importantly, having the support of upper management. That one from Allen. Uh, this one, uh, This well, this guy, this is a smart guy. This guy's high, high intelligence. You are wise, Jim Toth. Jets go as hell he goes. Oh, wow. I don't know if that's uh, so good. But yeah. look, there are times we saw that in, uh, um, there will be times where Hellebuck doesn't have like he had a game against Detroit and this team will outscore that. Mm. Like we saw them put up five. I thought they could have easily had six or seven against yeah. Detroit and the other team will easily. score four or five and Hellebuck will have two to three bad ones. I've never seen him have more than three. I, I've seen games where he's had two awful goals. Yeah. Um, um, so he will have those kind of games and, and the team will score six goals and everything will be fine. And then you'll have other games like last night where they just won't have yeah. much going. Now, the one thing we haven't talked about yet is Connor, Kyle Connor on that breakaway. I, there was no doubt in my mind he was scoring that. Uh, just, he is, we talk about Nikita Kucherov and the season he's having and, um, nobody's talking about it. Kyle Connor. It's just the the biggest superstar in the National Hockey League that rarely gets talked about, even after winning the Lady Bank. Mm-hmm. He had two goals in the first 14 games of the year. 
and he's leading the team in scoring now. I remember that. Remember there was all that talk and stuff like that. But here, here's here's what was going on with Kyle Connor in that period of time. He was actually playing, and you, if you were watching and you were watching what he was actually doing on the ice, he was playing the best hockey that he had played. He wasn't scoring. He had chance after chance after chance. So when he's going at this tear right now, he's named the NHLPA Player of the Week, eight points, getting three wins, two game-winning goals in, in that stretch here. It's no surprise to me. Like I, Kyle Connor is an absolute stud. He is the definition of when you hear people or coaches or teammates say, I'm not worried about him because he hasn't scored in 11 games or whatever because he's getting the chances every Mm -hmm. night. That's the definition of Kyle Connor. He couldn't buy one the first month and a half of the season. Hitting posts, not even on the net. Uh, Sean Reynolds and I talked about this about two games ago when he had two partial breakaways and he didn't even hit the net. He missed the net completely. He's like, there's something... He's usually just deadly all the time. And I said, I wonder if the pressure of not being in the shadows anymore. Like, But I still don't think he's getting the... the he was going into last night, or sorry, after Tuesday's game, he was eighth in the National Hockey League in scoring. Yeah. He's a top 10 scorer in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. And that would blow anybody else's mind outside of Manitoba. Yeah. The Winnipeg Jets have a player in the top 10 of NHL scoring. It's pretty good. And so I just 52 points in 42 games, two goals in the first 14 games of the year, and he now has 21. And that breakaway last night was just, what did he say in the post game? He said, I made a move, he froze, and I knew I had him. <laughs> yeah. And it, and his monotone. Well, that, uh, that's why he's so effective, too. That's why I, I thought him going into the season, there's going to be extra checkers and all that sort of thing. People are going to be keying in on him. He's not blowing anybody by surprise anymore like that. He's so even keel, though. Yeah, like and it's that, so, it's and so that's cool. a great point. He's so cool. Because he didn't get down on himself. Not and at he all. didn't go, you know, and even in game, like I've seen him two partial breakaways and a golden chance on the power play and miss the net three times and go what in my mind go, what is going on with Kyle Connor tonight? And then two shifts later, he'll just dangle somebody and score and just monotone. Like he just he's he's a superstar in this league. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? And and Gary just texted the show 204-780-6868. Thanks for this text, Gary, uh, because it reminds me Nick Ehlers, since he's been back, uh, got two helpers last night, two goals, five assists uh, in the last three games here. So he's come back and uh, he's come back with a vengeance from his injury. And Nick Ehlers like, has 10 points in six games this year. And two of those six games were months apart. Yeah. He's been great. Like there, you like especially coming from a groin injury and stuff like that. You're thinking it's going to take him a week or two to get reacclimated, and you're willing to give him that little bit of rope. He's just said, "No, I don't need it. I'm going right back in there." This was like that game against Tampa. He was dr- diving into the net and stuff like that. He's fighting Stamkos behind the behind the uh, behind the net. I, I was close enough; I could see like he was melting off him and Stamkos. Stamkos just looks at him and goes, "F you." When Stamkos goes to the box, yeah. it's great stuff. So how you and I and the entire world have been waiting for him and this season on the top line, top power play line, project that. We, 10 yeah, points we go in six here. games, project that over 82. Like, what kind of season would he have? No, see, it's too bad. Well, and we'll healthy, if he was healthy. And he, as you said, he's coming off injury. If he gets 60 points, 65 points, that's outstanding. He's on a trajectory for it. We'll wait and see if it happens. Uh, hey, I still have a little bit, a tidbit of information how much the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins have been scoring from their defense. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that little bit of fa- that little factoid uh, after this. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. 
we're like basically out of time here. This was the point I was trying to make about the, the Penguins only have 11 goals from their defense this year. Jets passed their last year total yesterday uh, with goals from Dylan Sandberg and Josh Morrissey. Only 11 goals for the Penguins. So I'm saying just keep it on the outside, keep it on the blue line. Um, and I think that'll bode well for the Winnipeg Jets, who have the deck stacked against them. I got to get a couple text messages here in, Jim, but you go ahead. I was just going to say pick one Jet you think is going to score tonight on Tarkarski. Nick Ehlers is going to get one. Brendan Dillon. I like it. I like it. A uh, couple text messages here. This one from Chris. On this day, 1982, Jimmy Mann assaulted Paul Gardner of the Penguins, broke his jaw, and got a criminal record in a 10-game suspension, just saying, as Jets play Penguins tonight. All righty. Thanks for that one, Chris. And uh, this one from DJ. As a Winnipegger who grew up in Ottawa, I can confirm the surprise and dismay that someone would willingly mix cola and milk together in an alcoholic drink, and it staggered me even more to be informed by then, my then-girlfriend, now-wife, that it was invented here in Winnipeg. The Paralyzer doesn't taste that bad either. That's Think of the ones that didn't make it, that while you were trying to create the Paralyzer. And also, Kevin texted me. He goes, Flame and Mo? It's the Flame and Homer, which was a good catch. Thanks a lot for that one, Kevin. Uh I don't. Th- I, I think most people didn't know that the paralyzer was invented. My in friend Greg. This is news to me. Bourbon and lemonade. It's outstanding. Try it. Bourbon and lemonade in the summer. Oh, coming right. off the lake. I'll give her a shot. Hey, Red everybody. Sippy cup. En- enjoy the it's Pittsburgh Penguins and the Jets. Four o'clock pregame show. Puck drop at six. Jim Toothick all the way to three o'clock. Thank you very much, Jeffrey Fort. Jeffrey, we the show. See ya. Jets at noon on six eighty CJOB.